Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week, another start of a school year. It's like when you're in it, you're in it, and it's like, it's nuts. (laughs) It's just like so much going on. And I think this year, among any of them, right, that we've been doing this over about a decade now, is just so different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is kind of, we're still, I mean, we've been in the unknown for quite some time. But this even more so, because at least last year, I feel like the start of the school year, we're like, well, you know, we're still doing virtual. We're still kind of in this weird zone, but we've been in it for a little while. So the unknown, while it was scary, it was somewhat known. But this unknown is we have no idea what this school year is going to look like, especially with just things still being crazy, you know, but so many kids being back in school. And I'm seeing so many more states coming out with like, bans on mask mandates and so you know what states kids are in masks and what states aren't in masks yeah i don't think we're really gonna get to a lot of problem solving like obviously on an individualized basis we are doing whatever we can for our clients but overall i think the the spring is even going to be more hectic for a lot of our listeners and a lot of our clients because, you know, a lot of parents do have this wait and see approach because, you know, you don't know what's going on until it kind of happens, right? So, you know, over the summer we were hearing about, you know, mass bans and all that and stuff like that and then the actual implications of that and, you know, I think what people need to realize is we still need to be somewhat adaptable (laughs) to this ever-growing kind of change, ever-growing, ever-changing school year that we're in. So that's fun. (laughs) But there are a lot of great resources and we are really, really excited to have Christopher Banks. He is the president and CEO of Autism Society of America. And we are going to talk to him a little bit more about Autism Society of America and all the wonderful resources that they have available to parents and students alike. Chris, thanks so much for coming on to our podcast. Oh, I'm delighted to, to be a part of it, and thank you for the work you do to uh, educate the autism community. Just appreciate the opportunity to be a part of your show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we love having people like you. You are our people, and I know a lot of our listeners will get a lot of information. You know, that's the thing is, like, there's so much information out there. It's hard for any one person to kind of get through it all. So that's why we were really excited to have you on. Can you kind of just give us a little bit of background about yourself and how you became involved with Autism Society of America? Sure. So I am a not-for-profit executive by training and I've spent 30 years in that space. And about 15 months ago or so, well, more than that, excuse me, um, in the fall of 19, the Autism Society was looking for a new executive to be their president and CEO, and their board approached me about whether I would bring some of the skills and talents I have in healthcare and education and social service not for profits to the Autism Society. And through some conversations, I said, sure, we'll do it. I don't have a direct connection to autism in my family. I have a, a grandnephew who has Down syndrome and is autistic, and mm. uh, I have a lot of uh, 
with the, all, uh, my sisters are all special education teachers, so I've been involved in that, and I've been able to see it, and I know what that's about. But, you know, also working in social service areas mm. that I have worked in, you know, working with the intellectual and physical developmental dis- disabled community. Long time ago in my history, I uh, worked for the National Theater Workshop for the Handicap, which was a theater training school for the physically yeah. disabled. So it was cool. kind of cool. I got into that. And the neat thing about that, and I'll just give a little side note on that, is with the National Theater Workshop of the Handicap, we not only were providing an opportunity for individuals with physical disabilities uh, to express themselves, including veterans who are coming back from combat, we also were teaching them how to bake bread and become bakers. Because, you know, you don't find too many one-armed or one-legged waiters or waitresses, right? right? And so right. by providing another skill, another talent yeah. that they could do. So that's a long way of saying that's how I ended up with the Autism Society. Uh, I think all of those things that are in my background led the board to believe that uh, perhaps I would be the right person to help lead the organization, carry on the work of my predecessor, Scott Badish, but also expand and grow. And that's what we've been doing over the last 18 months. And COVID forced us to do right. that. And, yeah. And in a, in a dramatic way, but we've also done some other things. But that's where we are. I'd be happy to tell you more about that too. Yeah, no, I mean that yeah, you definitely sound like the perfect fit for that role yeah. to to kind of bring you know bridge you know different communities together and moving forward into this this world where we're really having to be innovative and change the way we think about businesses and how we think about reaching out to the community, especially in this last year and a half. Yeah. You know, I give you an example of that paradigm shift that you just alluded to. We're changing the way we think about things. The paradigm shift that I like to talk about is in the employment space where we make Mm. sure that people look at, you know, it's great that companies want to hire individuals with intellectual developmental disabilities. And uh, it's really important. We have to work on changing the way that they approach it. So it's not just the altruistic, but it's that they recognize it's good for business. It will change their corporate culture. It will make them a more desirable employer and they'll add great value. You know, and when I get to talk to other CEOs at corporations and businesses or HR folks about that, you start to see a light bulb go off and aha mm-hmm. moment. Oh, I hadn't thought of about it that way, you know, because they want to be good corporate citizens, and citizenship is a very important part of the corporate uh, philanthropic world, but it goes beyond that. And I think that, you know, in the topic of IEPs, which I know we're going to talk a little bit more about, it's the same mindset that I'm encouraging people to have. Don't do this because you have to do it, because Mm -hmm. the state mandates it, the government Mm -hmm. mandates it, do it because it's the right thing to do. (laughs) Right. And, right. and I think that most, almost all of the folks that are that I've met involved in it, whether they're my own niece, who is a school psychologist and runs a very large program in uh, New Jersey, in a school district in New Jersey, and the great work that Kimberly Costello, my niece, does there, you know, or whether it's the teachers, individual teachers like my own sisters and my brother-in-law who work in the developmental disability community as an educator, or many of our affiliates who are supporting the school systems or some of the business that are a part of our world who help parents and families discuss the IEP, all of those people working together, all of them working together to collaborate to do the right thing. And, you know, when you focus on doing the right thing, you never really have to worry about what the law is or what the state mandates are, the requirements are, because you're already doing that. Absolutely. You know, I I think, you know, having that shift in perspective is so important. And I know a lot of the teachers and administrators that we're encountering lately are just like fatigued, like everybody is. And I 
I wanted to touch on oh, something yeah. that you had said earlier about like not necessarily having like a direct, you know, connection to autism. Mm-hmm. You know, Amanda and I, when we first started, she had had some experience as a one-to-one aide for a kiddo with Down syndrome. And I had a cousin with autism. But, you know, a lot of the attorneys in this area of the law, they were attorneys in another realm. And then they had a child with some sort of unique need. And then they found this area of law. And, you know, Amanda and I always point that out because I think to a certain extent, being able to choose to, you know, get to understand this community, understand this world. We always say that, you know, we eat, live and breathe it is in a different context than the parent that they themselves are going through, you know, with something so personal, it's their child, that we are able to kind of see things in a different way. Doesn't make us any better or less qualified that, you know, we don't have a child, but I just, I think that offers just another perspective, right? And that's what you kind of bring to the work that you guys are doing and just even you saying, like, it's best practices. Like, it it doesn't have to be mandated by the state for you to do it. Like, you can do it. (laughs) And let's do it for the best interest of the child. So I love that. Well, Uh, it's it's not just the best interest of the child. Like, it's what we talk about all the time. It's the best interest of our community, of society. Exactly. Um, You know, the... You know, let me give you an analogy of that, right? So uh, sometimes we see in uh, retirement communities this, and having experience of working in it, I can speak to it, you know, where, you know, you have these uh, retirement communities and folks sometimes say, well, why do I have to contribute to the public school system? Mm. You know, I don't have any kids in it, right? Mm -hmm. Because an educated community has less crime. An educated mm-hmm. community has lower unemployment. Mm-hmm. An educated community is more desirable to live, and thus your, the value of your home goes up. And when you ask them to think about it from that point of view, you're asking them to change their perspective. And we're asking them to be a little bit more inclusive in their thinking. And you know that's an example of how inclusion goes beyond what current events are dictating we think about when we think about diversity inclusion. Think about it a little bit more, right? Yeah. And when we do that, then we really get to where the Autism Society has spent a good amount of time over uh, since I've come on board, which is about acceptance, right? And it's one thing to have awareness, and that's very important, mm-hmm. but acceptance mm-hmm. leads to inclusion, mm-hmm. and inclusion leads to belonging. And when you think, again, change the thinking, and you think that way, bigger picture, Think yep. of it, you know, I say, let's stop thinking parochial, meaning a small P, mm-hmm. just my neighborhood, and think about, what's this mean? Yep. Oh, wait a minute. So if I contribute to the payrolls, to the public school system, these other benefits are going to occur. I'm going to benefit as well, and it's going to be the right thing for our community, our society. And within the autism community, I think the same mindset is an opportunity for us. When we do well mm. by others, and when we do the right thing for others, or for ourselves, when we do that, the sum of the whole is greater than the individual parts. Absolutely. Right? Because yeah, I yeah. learn from you, you learn from me, and both of us enrich our experience and enrich our intelligence and enrich our uh, opportunities for having a greater influence. That's the mindset that I have. Um, and back to your point about not having somebody on the spectrum, I like to tell my board members when I first came, I said, listen, I'm educable. 
I can mm-hmm. learn. I'm blessed with the ability to learn. Yep. And as I've told uh, Dr. Jack Scott, who's, uh, who ch- is the chair of our panel of professional advisors and is the chair of the department at uh, Florida Atlantic University, I said, Dr. Scott, I'm a clean slate. Yep. The board doesn't have to be erased. There's nothing I have to unlearn. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. keep. So it's been fun that way. The learning curve is steep, but it's been a lot of fun. And uh, because of the pandemic, I really learned a tremendous amount. You know, we had a uh, we had the opportunity to we were the first autism organization in the United States and in fact the country in the world to put a COVID-19 toolkit together that has been used all over the world. We get requests from Australia, from New Zealand, from Africa, from Europe, Eastern Europe to use our toolkit and pieces of it. Even the NBA charities asked if they could use it. Sure, I, I, we gave it away. I didn't care who wanted yeah. it. Take it, right? Yeah. And when we do that, one of the other things we did is a Facebook Live series where every other week I'm interviewing people in the autism community about how we're handling COVID as an autistic community. Well, that was part of my education and learning too. Uh, we had just accelerated it, right? Because now I'm talking to folks like Dr. Kathy Croft from Indiana University mm. or Carly Fulgham, mm. who is the president of the Autism Society of California and is a board member of Ventura County. I'm talking to people from all over the country about their experience and what's going on. I'm talking to self-advocates like Anthony I. Ellie, former member of the Michigan Trojans NCAA basketball team. Mm. I'm talking to, you know, uh, I'm talking to a member of the senior PGA, Billy Mayfair. Mayfair. It's really a fun, exciting thing, right? So, so silver silver lining on this horrible, horrible thing <laughs> called the pandemic uh, is that I'm getting to learn a lot, and people are getting to learn more about the autism community as we're doing these things. Yeah, we touched on that a little. How you know we have noticed that you know you see all over the place people. I guess putting more, um, they're respecting teachers and education a bit more, you know, because of how much the pandemic has hit education hard, right? Parents are having to teach their kids, kids are missing out, parents are having to take the role as teachers, and they're learning so much more about the hard work it is to teach a child. You know, it's not just, oh, I'm, you know, babysitting these kids and, and teaching them a little bit. It's a lot more difficult than that. And you know, something Vicky and I, when we kind of started the podcast was really about, you know, changing the conversation, getting people to talk about education and disability rights. And, you know, we saw in this past year in a presidential election, education was more on the forefront than I think we've ever seen it. And disability rights as well, right? In President Biden's, you know, first address, he talked about disability rights. It's something that we've always wanted, right? More people to talk about the issues, realize what we're talking about and how important it is and education it, it stems you know all of our growth in our community right the, the children of today are going to be our future leaders you know so that that is something that we we've, we've seen come out of the pandemic that has been kind of that silver lining absolutely and you know the one of the pieces uh, many of the components of the work that the autism society does is advocacy so we're spending a tremendous amount of resources and time on knowing what's happening with the federal government even from the american recoveries act to right now build better back america and looking at home and community-based services bill and you know, we're following what uh, Senator Schumer is doing very, very closely to see what that will look like. But, you know, we're, home and community-based services could be a four, $400 billion enterprise of work. It won't probably get that far. Right. We're hearing numbers around 300 right now. 
and it'll continue. It's, and remember, it hasn't been scored by the Office of Budget Management, so it's still going to need to be scored, meaning they have to go through it line by line and see what the dollar value really is. But the point is that we're seeing uh, an opportunity here to focus some some really necessary, significant financial dollars or uh, financial resources, excuse me, towards education in ways that have not been in the past. You know, we have, I loathe, I loathe unfunded mandates. Mm. Okay. Mm. If you tell us we have to do it, but you don't find, provide a funding mechanism for it or an offset for it, that's an unfunded mandate. Right, especially if you're required to do it, mm. and that that just puts tremendous burden because now we're saying, okay, do we stop doing band or stop doing football because we have to do this? Wait a minute, let's figure this out. Let's look at this, and and that's where you know we have um, opportunities in the classroom. You know, Florida just passed the, the CAS, and and with the, the the Kids Act there, making sure that seclusion is no longer something that people even think is appropriate. Right. And tie this all back to coming back to school, you know, as, as as we're recording this and we're thinking about different schools coming back to session and we're not sure where they're going to be. You know, we're very conscious of the fact that we're going to watch how schools look at uh, whether uh, our kiddos are wearing masks or not wearing masks. And when what this what happens when somebody in the autism community struggles mm-hmm. with that, mm-hmm. you know, and you're going to pull them out of the classroom and put them in another a seclusion classroom. Wait a minute. Let's figure out what that really looks like and how you're doing that. Because some of our, our, our students have really thrived academically over the last 18 months and right. they don't want to lose this. Right. right. Some of them have really thrived academically. Right. However, socially, the regression is unbelievable because they've spent so much time on the monitor and on the computer and not enough time interacting with peers or professionals face to face. I know that folks uh, at the Gersh Academy Mm -hmm. uh, are talking about digital detox, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Wow. How are we going to break them away from spending so much time on on the video and the TV? Right. And I think the point that was just made is really important. You know, we've got bank tellers that have been told they have to become homeschool teachers. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. carpenters who all of a sudden are now doing math and science with their son or daughter. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. That wasn't part of my training, my education. It wasn't what I thought I was going to be doing as a parent. Absolutely. uh, You know, you're absolutely right. The appreciation for teachers has risen because, oh my gosh, now I understand that respite that I got when my child was off to school. Yeah. I now have in my kitchen or in my dining right. room. And, oh, my gosh, this is what my son or daughter is like throughout the day. That's a real challenge. Right. How they learn and what they need. And, you know, it's really interesting. It's this big puzzle, right? Because, you know, you have, for us, a small percentage of our clients have thrived, but the majority has not. But just even, you know, yeah, thrived academically or thrived social emotionally. And, you know, there's very, very few that have done both. And I think that as we get back and we're having those 30-day IEP meetings, you know, to check in to see, you know, how is a teacher handling the trauma um, that all these children experience? And not only that, but the academic regression. I think there has just been such a focus on like academics, academics, you know, nobody's talking really about the social emotional regression. They just assume, you know, kids are resilient. They'll get back to, you know, hanging out with their friends. But I don't know about you guys, but as you know, we've transitioned back. It's awkward. I don't hug anymore. I was a very big hugging person before like you know we're, we're still very much living in this era 
And I would like to say that we are seeing the end of it, but it's just so hard. You know, if you're paying attention to the news and the increase at the end of summer in certain states and certain areas, it's hard to maintain. But, you know, one of the things that I appreciated, you just like off the bat with your website was, you know, some of the links to, you know, tips for transitioning kids. And the number one thing on there was managing your own anxiety. And you you touched on that a little bit as well. And, And I think that is important for parents to kind of be mindful of. And even though, you know, for a lot of people, they've been in the school year for about a month or so, it's not too late, you know, to check in with yourself. You know, parent or or care provider self-care is so important. Mm -hmm. You know, Dr. Kathy Pratt and Ann Holmes, uh, two experts in this uh, field, they told me at one point during our thing, and it made me, about self-care, and it made me think about, you know, the airline tells us to put our air mask on first before we try and help Mm -hmm. our child. Well, it's the same concept here, folks, right? Make sure you're taking care of yourself physically, getting enough sleep eating right, dieting, exercise, all the things we need to do anyway as, as adults, right? But essentially, um, crucially more important when trying to provide support services for somebody who has uh, needs and dependence on our, our assistance, right? And then make sure you're getting the self-care you need. A lot of our affiliates provide uh, self-help groups for parents and, and caregivers, support program. So if you live in a community that uh, you're not sure about, come to the autism website, autism-society.org. Look up your affiliate that's in your area and see what supports they have for parents, support groups online or and or in person if, if we've gotten to that point yet. But, you know, we have affiliates across the country are doing support groups. I know Cincinnati's doing one and they have participants from Canada and Mexico as well as from Cincinnati now, right? And that's for parents and caregivers uh, alike, whether it's that specific support group or others that we're seeing across the country. And I, yeah, that's really helpful. And yeah. I think that's, you know, one of those benefits of, you know, kind of using technology a lot more to our advantage where like we didn't use it as much before. We're able to connect with people all across the world, all across the country that may have been more difficult because you may not have someone in your exact situation, you know, in your neighborhood. Right. But it is a smaller world than I think we once realized now with technology. Right. right. And emotions don't know geographical boundaries. Right, mm-hmm. so we deal with that. Now, I'll give you a couple other tips that we're we're promoting through our website and through the work we're doing. You know, assuming that you haven't been able to return to school, but you're concerned about it, making sure that in your IEP planning is a virtual tour of the facility in the school. It's been a while since your child or your kiddo has been in that building. So I encourage them to give you a video tour. Yeah. Now we're seeing it anyway. Walk around with the cell phone and show them where the bathroom is, show them where the coat room is, show them where the desks are, show them where the break room is, show them where the supplies are. Add to their level of information and comfort. It's just like the pre-run we would do if we're training you to go on an airplane and how to go through the TSA experience, which some of our affiliates train on. I think the other is to, you know, Connect with that school leadership and make sure that that, that the support staff, all of that team are part of the conversation and wherever possible, bring your kiddo into that conversation as well so that they know who are the people that are talking about and with and for them. You know, those are just some real quick tips that I think are very important as we move into returning back to the classroom or to reengaging in the classroom if we're already there. 
Absolutely. And I love how it still does kind of incorporate that kind of media, right? Like taking a tour, like let's show them virtually, you know, and things like that. And, you know, transitions for any child. And like you had said, we are in this season of change and it's constant change. And just acknowledging that and coming from that standpoint and perspective, I think is major. You know, we are counselors in every sense of the word. I I wish I had a psychology. I had majored in psychology in college instead of political science because I didn't realize how much of that experience, at least for our clients, right? In particular, we have a very particular set of clients that are parents and it is very personal and having these reminders and and these toolkits that like you had mentioned as well I think is super important for parents where can you I realize we've been talking about the website and I didn't even throw out what is the website how can people get more information about um, the other great resources or any of the other great resources if you don't mind going through that they can find online Absolutely. I would say that our website is autism-society.org. That's autism-society.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Autism Society of America. And we pretty much put everything that we have on our website on Facebook at different times. But, you know, for example, additional resources, a back-to-school checklist for uh, parents and caregivers, right? Here's one we haven't talked about, but it's really important. Establish bedtime and and waking routines. Right? We changed our schedules and we changed the way we're doing this when it was virtual. So if you haven't already and haven't returned to school already, let's start thinking about what does bedtime routine look like and what does waking routine look like instead of letting people stay up later than we might have, right? If you haven't already, begin taking your kiddos on outings to socialize, wearing a mask and being in places where other people are wearing a mask. Help them to reduce that anxiety and increase their sense of security. Put a calendar together with the countdown. This is what's coming, not to fill anxiety, but to prepare them for it, right? And as I said, you know, that visual meeting with the teacher or the classroom is so important. That's the kind of thing that you'll find on the autism-society.org website or on the Autism Society of America Facebook page. And we're not the sole creator of all this information, but we're blessed that we have so many collaborators who are willing to share material, whether it's the Marcus Center in Atlanta or Indiana University or many other places that make resources available. And then we just try to disseminate them. Very important for us. Absolutely. And I think being able to consolidate that information and, you know, I always say you don't want to reinvent the wheel, right? Um, If there's great information out there um, and that's something that, you know, we try to do via our our Instagram and our Facebook is to share as much information as possible because, yes, we could have our take on it, which is why we have the podcast, right? If people wanted to hear a little bit more about it, but having those resources out there and directing people, I think that's the first step and you guys have done a wonderful job with that so you know i just wanted to thank you for the work that you guys have done because you know it's important to be able to have a what just one place that a parent can go you know to get as well informed as possible yeah and i appreciate that thank you we work hard to try to make sure that what we put out is the most relevant and timely information possible whether it's vaccine and vaccine hesitancy which is yeah. put a piece together that was used the other day we're going to continue to work on that to help families uh have a greater sense of, of comfort in getting vaccinated but we know how important that is so we'll yeah. continue to promote that 
and other resources are there. So we're delighted to be a part of it. And thank you for including me in this podcast. Uh, you know, I would just add one last thing. You know, when you come to the website, also look at where our affiliates are so you can yeah. connect with the resources that are in your neighborhood and your community. Absolutely. I, we're so thrilled that you were able to come on. And, you know, I think it's just a good reminder. Like I said, you know, a lot of different people, the school year started, you know, we have some people mainly like LAUSD that started mid-August. And then we have some people in Orange County that are starting right about now, right? So uh, what's so nice and so evergreen is that even if these were tips for, you know, transitioning kids back, you know, there's always a transition, right? And so um, sticking to routines or just having that reminder of checking your own anxiety and, you know, as we're having these 30-day IEP meetings to check in with your districts, check in with your teams, because I know we talked about this a little bit offline, but, you know, it really is just a subtle perspective shift sometimes that is needed, right? To do the right thing, to do, you know, have that perspective that we are here for the child. And, you know, Amanda and I, it's odd sometimes that we have to go into IEP meetings and remind people of that. But, you know, we appreciate your work because it just, it comes from such a place of um, wanting to learn but then also, you know, level up that awareness to that acceptance, which will benefit us all in the long run for sure. Terrific. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Chris's information will be in the show notes as well as the website. We highly encourage you guys to check it out and, you know, find out if you have, there's a local affiliate um, near you so that you can kind of get localized information. And keep hanging in there, okay? We'll, we'll be back next week, and uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye.